Welcome to Hydrant Online. This weekend is Labor Day weekend, and we celebrate the, the American labor force during this, this weekend that kind of marks the end of summer for us. It was, it was in the late 19th century, 1887, in fact, that Oregon was the first state to declare Labor Day an official holiday. A few years later, in 1894, the United States declared it a national holiday. And by then, it was already being celebrated officially in about 30 states. And, and it became this time to kind of mark the end of the summer, a time to take a break, a time to, to celebrate, a time to be grateful for the work that we get to do, for all those that pour into making our communities wonderful and, and significant. Now, there was a time when instead of finding joy in hard work and in sweating and creating and, and in serving others, I would do whatever I could to get out of hard work. You know, fake that stomach ache, do whatever I could to maybe just convince myself that I felt bad enough to, to call out of work, anything I could to not have to be a part of whatever new project was going on around the house as a teenager. But it doesn't take long to figure out that won't get you very far in life. It won't get you very far in life. Instead, we have to be able to see the joy and the beauty and the significance of every job, of how every job is noble. Every job has the potential to make a positive difference in the world when we use it to, to serve others, when we use it to add value to our community, when we, when we use it to, to bring a smile, to make our communities wonderful. It can, it can matter. It can be noble. It is, is honoring and meaningful. And it, in, in fact, I've, I've had the opportunity over the years to do lots of different kinds of things, some that I hate and some that I hope that I never have to do again, whether it was in sales or delivery, stocking trucks or, or shelves. I've, I've worked in food service. I've worked in retail, all kinds of things through the years. And, and the truth is that there was something wonderful and there was an opportunity in every one of those jobs to see all that was good, to, to be able to pour into others, to have significance, for it to be meaningful work if I could see it. And I think, I think that's what God meant for us all the way back from the very beginning. In the book of Genesis, we see that, that God created the heavens and the earth. He created the trees and the forests. He created the oceans and the land. He created all that was wonderful and beautiful. And, and then he, he went to Adam and Eve and he said, okay, I, I want you to take care of it. In Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 28, we read, God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We find two instructions here, to subdue and to rule, to, to subdue and to rule. And, and there's this image. It's almost like God handed us this big chunk of clay that had all kinds of potential but it needed to be developed. It needed to be shaped. And, and, and it's like what he gave us. Or maybe, maybe it was like a, 
a, a giant bag of Legos that you hand to kids without any instructions of what to create, no, no plans or anything like that, but there's just all this potential in this kind of raw matter. And, and he says, okay, I want you to do something with this. I want you to subdue it, and I want you to have dominion. I want you to take charge over it, and I want you to develop what I'm giving you. I want you to develop this garden. I want you to develop this, this earth. I want you to see what I've put inside of it for you to use. And I want you to take care of it and, and bring the best out of it and take, make it so it'll last for, for generation after generation after generation. Take responsibility for creation. Do the work of creation. You know, it's kind of funny. There were times that I kind of imagined heaven as this, as this place of, of lounging back, kind of an eternal vacation. But, but the truth is, it probably involves some work. I mean, it, a, lot of, a lot of theologians kind of look at heaven, look at this, this final uh, consummation of creation as taking us back to the Garden of Eden and giving us another opportunity to be who God created us to be. And what God created us to be and what God created us to do involves meaningful work. It involves meaningful work that brings out the best, that adds value, that creates good. That work really is an act of worship as we glorify God, as we honor God with our work. The problem is sin has a way of cursing our work. We see it all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they sin against God and, and they choose to, to choose their own way in life instead of God's way. They decide that they know what's right and wrong. They know what will bring them fulfillment and identity and meaning instead of what God says will give them those things. And in that rebellion, it brings about a curse, a curse that makes work work. It makes it that thing that we dread. It, it curses their work. In fact, the land becomes hard to till. It becomes hard to grow things. And they're kicked out of the garden and relationships get messy. I mean, let's be honest, right? Like in work, the hardest part is the relational stuff. In, in leadership literature, a lot of times they call it the soft skills. But really, it's the it's the hard stuff. It's the important stuff. It makes a difference in whether anything else goes right. And so sin cursed the work of Adam and Eve, and it's sin that curses our work. It, it tricks us into thinking that our work is about us. It's about us making a living, or us finding an identity, or us finding fulfillment, or us being happy. That if we just find the right job, then we'll be happy. Even if you find your dream job, there'll be days that it's miserable. There'll be days you want to quit. There'll be days when nothing goes right. So it's not about whether it's happy or whether it's easy, whether we love our jobs or hate our jobs. Our jobs are not the source. It's not the source of identity. It's not the source of self-fulfillment. It's not the, the source of pride. It's not how we gain control over our future, our finances, or, or our identity. 
Work is a part of how we worship. It's a part of how we answer God's call on our lives. It's a part of how we join Him in the mission of the world. But too often, we make it about us. Whether or not I like my job and I want to go to my job or I'm motivated to get up or to try new things or, or to be creative in my job or whether I, I hate my job, whether I've been doing it so long that I can do it with my eyes closed and I don't, I don't find any meaning or joy there anymore. It's a drudgery. I don't want to get up. It's a struggle. And we tend to think of our jobs as just whether or not we like it whether or not it makes us happy, whether or not we feel fulfilled, or whether we feel like we're making a difference in the world. And we can't see that work is designed as an act of worship. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, in the, if you read it in the message paraphrase, he says something like, take your everyday ordinary lives. You're going to work, washing dishes, ordinary lives. You're, you're making sandwiches for the kids, doing virtual school lives. You're doing laundry and mowing the lawn lives. You're going to work and you're coming home lives and give them to God as a sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Taking that everyday, ordinary lives and, and giving them to God. Letting Him do what He wants to do with them. In Colossians chapter 3, he writes to the church there and, and he says something remarkable. And, and it shifts the way we can think about our work. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 23, we read these words. Whatever you do, whether, whether you pick up trash, whether you fix cars, whether you work in the restaurant, whether you're a secretary or a boss, whether, whether you work for the church or not, no matter what you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Give it your very best. Do it as if it mattered to God. Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So when you're mowing that lawn for a client, you're doing it for Jesus, not for the customer. When you are preparing that sandwich, when you are grilling that burger, when you are serving that food, you are doing it for Jesus, not for that customer. When you're, when you're selling car parts, when you're working in the hospital, whether, you are, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, a secretary, or a janitor, you're doing it for the Lord, not for the patients. When you teach, you're doing it for the Lord, not even for the students. And certainly we don't do it for our own pride or control or identity in the world. God gives us our identity. God gives us a sense of comfort in the midst of being out of control. He teaches us peace, and He is our only fulfillment. And so He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Our work is an act of worship when we see it, when we see it as though we are doing it for Jesus. 
when we're making those sandwiches for our kids, when we're mowing the lawn, whatever it is we're doing, we are doing it for the Lord. Our job becomes this, this sanctuary, this place of worship, this place where God is honored and glorified and his kingdom breaks through when we begin to see our work as an act of worship. It can be a job we hate and we can recognize, okay, I am in this job that I hate right now. I can be thankful that I have a job at all in an economy like this, and I can begin to work at it with all my heart, knowing that if I give this job my very best, if I succeed in this job, if I pour myself into this, then new opportunities are going to come my way, and I'm going to be able to step out of this job one day into something that I like better. But if I am working as if I'm miserable, working as if I don't like my boss or my job or anyone else, then no opportunities are going to come our way. We're, our head is going to be down. We're going to be staring at our own uh, self-pity and wondering when God's going to fix it all. And God's saying, I've given you something. I've given you a place to learn. I've given you a place to serve. I've given you a place to worship me. If you could see it, if you could just see what I'm doing, you could worship me in this place in your work. But, but not only is our, our work a place of worship, our work is a place of mission. Our work is a place of mission. In Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20, Jesus gives his disciples a mission. He tells them, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. As my witnesses, you are going to tell my story. You're going to teach the things that I taught. You're going to baptize people. And you're going to help them to follow me as my disciples. This is your mission. To be kingdom builders. To be disciple multipliers. We are sent into the marketplace with a mission. Our job is a place of mission, whether we work for ourselves or someone else, whether it's in a restaurant or a mechanic shop, whether it's in, in the hospital or the classroom, it doesn't matter. We are sent out into that marketplace as multipliers, as missionaries, as those with a calling to make disciples wherever we go, to build the kingdom wherever we go. Paul Paul is known as the greatest missionary of all time, but he didn't work full time for the church. Sometimes we forget, or maybe we never knew, that Paul was a tent maker. He, he supplied his own needs with the job he had in the marketplace, and that job provided him opportunity to be on mission in every city he went to. He was a marketplace multiplier on mission for the kingdom of God, and to multiply disciples. And just as Paul was a, a witness to Christ as he made tents and he worked in the town squares and as he talked with the people who came by, we too are witnesses like Paul. We too are called like Paul to, to make disciples as we go. In fact, if you go back to Matthew chapter, chapter 28, verse 19, when it says, go and make disciples, a better translation would be, make disciples as you go. So wherever you go, whatever job you have, you have a mission. You are a part of the kingdom of God pushing out into the world. 
You are a part of light in the dark places. You are a part of a kingdom force that makes a difference in the world. You are his witnesses to, to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to Goldsboro and Wayne County and North Carolina and the rest of the world. We are sent as witnesses to share our story and to share the story of Jesus. We're sent as witnesses to share our story and the story of Jesus. Now, there's been this shift in the, in the last 10 or 20 or 30 years in how we share this story. For a long time, it was about trying to convince people that what God said was true. For a long time, there were people who might stop you in a Walmart parking lot and ask you, do you know where you're going to go when you die? And it would jump right into this intense conversation. And it was about what was true and what was not. Today, things have changed. If I'm going to share my story or have the opportunity to share my story, if I'm going to share the story of Jesus, then I have to have credibility before I ever speak. I have to have a relationship that brings credibility before I can ever share the story. Some of us have no witness because we have no credibility. We have no ability to speak to what Jesus has done in our lives because it doesn't look like Jesus has done anything. We have no ability to speak to the story of Jesus because no one trusts us. We have to have credibility before we can ever share what we believe is true. We have to be trustworthy and have integrity and add value. You see, if no one trusts us, if we don't have credibility in our workplace, then we have no ability to be a witness. Our witness begins in the way we work. St. Francis of Assisi is famous for saying, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Now, I believe it's necessary to use words, that there are going to be times when we've got to be ready to share our story. There have been times when we've got to be ready to encourage. There have been times we've got to be ready to point out what God is doing in our workplaces. But before we get that opportunity, we better be preaching the gospel with the way we work. We've got to be showing up on time. We got to be bringing joy and encouragement to those around us. We got to be able to do our job with excellence and to, to go above and beyond what's expected of us. Building credibility is actually a pretty easy thing, but you can't convince people to trust you with your words. You see, a lot of us, we act our way into a place of, of losing credibility We've acted our, ourselves into that spot and we want to talk our way out. But you can't talk your way out of a problem you acted yourself into. But the good news is you can act yourself out of that problem. You can begin to act in a way in your workplace that will give you credibility, that will give you the opportunity to share your story and the story of what God is doing in your life and the story of what Jesus has done to transform the world but it begins in the way you work, the way you act at work. It really is pretty simple when it comes to building credibility. It all begins with the person in the mirror. It all begins with character and integrity. Do you show up when you say you're going to show up? 
Do you do the things that you say you're going to do? Can you be trusted or not? If you have integrity, it's like building a strong foundation beneath you. But without integrity, you're standing on a sinkhole and it's only a matter of time before everything in your life collapses. As we build integrity in our workplaces, we build credibility. But, but really, we don't want to hear the stories of the people who just have integrity. It has to go beyond that. You see, you have to have integrity, but you also have to value others. If you don't value people, if you don't value the contribution of people, if you don't lift other people up, no one cares what you have to say. My mom used to like to say to me, no one cares what you think until they know you care about them. I think it was probably put a little catchier, something like, no one, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. The idea is that you have to value people. You have to be thankful and grateful and, and display that and speak that in your work. But not only do we value people, we add value to people. When we show up to work, we should be looking for an opportunity to help, an opportunity to teach, an opportunity to train, whether it's our job or not. We should be looking for how we can encourage the boss. We should be looking for how we can encourage our coworkers. We should be looking for how we can point out the things that no one is noticing and add value to the organization, not just so that we can get a paycheck, but so that we can have a kingdom impact. So it, it, credibility comes with integrity, with valuing people and adding value to people and then producing results. Producing results. When you are demonstrating a way of being that others want to emulate in their own lives, then they're going to want to know how you got there. When you have joy, they want to know where the joy came from. When you produce results, they want to know how you had the courage and the strength and the fortitude and the perseverance to produce those results. And you get a chance to speak to the one who has transformed your character, who has given you perseverance, who has given you hope, who has given you strength, who has given you joy on the hard days. And you'll have the credibility to speak. Now, if we're not producing results at work, then it goes all the way back to our integrity, right? And like, I'm not talking about the fact that there are seasons where we're planting and seasons where we're waiting and seasons where we're, where we're harvesting. Not every season is a harvest season, but the, the work we do ought to produce the results that we're getting paid to produce. And if it doesn't, then we're taking a paycheck we haven't earned, and we lose that integrity and we lose the opportunity to speak. We lose our opportunity to be a witness. But the beauty is that with credibility, we gain an opportunity. We gain an opportunity. You see, our work is our mission field. We are sent into the marketplace. You and I and everyone in every job, as we go out into the world, we are sent as multipliers. We are called, every one of us, with purpose and meaning and, and something that is just as significant as what I do in the church. Your calling matters just as much as mine does. 
And just because I'm a pastor who works in the church, it doesn't mean that my mission or my calling is is any more important than yours in your home or in your workplace, in our community, no matter what job you have. You have a mission in that job. You are called to be a multiplier. You are called to be a force, a light for the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, don't you realize you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. So honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your lives. You have been bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves. Our jobs don't belong to us. Everything we are, everything we have belongs to God because He has bought us with His love. He has saved us with His love and He has sent us out on mission. The job we have is for the purpose of glorifying God, of worshiping God, being on mission and witness. Hydrant is about about coming together and loving Goldsboro in a way that draws them into Jesus. You see, we come together to be a part of the the breaking in of the kingdom of God in every place around our community. We come as a, a beacon of hope into desperate situations. We come and we have this love of God that we share as light in darkness in every marketplace setting that you serve. You are sent. You are the missionaries, the ambassadors, the light bringers, and the hope dealers in Goldsboro. We want to bless and send and empower you to do that more and more. And so something new is coming to Hydrant Church, and we want everyone to be a part of it who is working in the marketplace, whether you work for yourself or work for someone else, whether your job is blue collar or white collar, whether no matter what it is, you have a mission and we want to empower you and support you in that mission. And so we're, we're beginning a, a brand new, a brand new charter of marketplace multipliers, marketplace multipliers. It's an, it's an organization that comes together to support and train and encourage us to have an impact for Jesus in our workplaces. Because we believe that you have the ability to transform Goldsboro. And so we're going to have the first meeting uh, of this, of, of this charter, this chapter of Marketplace multipliers on September 20th right here at Hydrant Church at 11 a.m. We want you to be a part of it. If you are, are sitting here and you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you, challenging you, inviting you to take your calling in your job more seriously, if you sense Him inviting you to join in this mission for the community, then we want to come alongside and support you. And we want to invite you to go to hydrantchurch.org slash multipliers. Hydrantchurch.org slash multipliers. And there you can sign up to be a part of this brand new thing called Marketplace Multipliers. You can sign up to, to be supported and encouraged and to come together with other Marketplace Multipliers to find that support 
and inspiration to make a difference in the community. We hope that you can check it out. We hope that you'll join us. Go there to hydrantchurch.org slash multipliers and sign up today to join us on September 20th and join us in this mission to Goldsboro. I love you. I believe in you. And I know that you are already making a difference. And we just want to acknowledge and support and, and empower that more and more. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for the jobs that you've given us in this season. We pray for those who are looking for work right now, that they would have your sense of guidance, your sense of purpose, and a, and a willingness to do whatever work you put in front of them, whether it's easy or hard or what they want to do right now, but believing that it is a gift given by you for this season. God, we lift up those who are serving right now all across our community in all kinds of different jobs as missionaries, as multipliers, as kingdom light in dark places, as hope dealers in desperate places. God, would you empower and support and encourage them with a sense of your spirit's presence in that workplace. And may you be glorified by the way we work. May we earn the opportunity to speak of your love and of your grace and of your strength and of your forgiveness by the way we work. Would you be honored and glorified in all we say and do? In Jesus' name, amen.